I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Folks, welcome to the wilderness of hope and desperation. That's how I view a performance journey that lacks a broad perspective on the elements that promote a platform of health, as well as a lack of practices to establish the correct mindset and appropriate effectiveness of training within the context of a very busy life under high demands that we label a time-starved life. Well, this month is a month of case studies. We discuss pro athletes, we discuss individually coached athletes, we discuss participants on our tri-squad. And we're also going to even dig into some cautionary tales later in the month. But those that succeed don't rely on luck, don't rely on hope. They have a little bit of strategy. They are consistent. They are consistent in keeping things really simple and actionable. And they focus on the right habits for them so that they can chase a personal recipe that is less around trying to create big moments and instead more about integration into life, all of which are life that is under high demands from various aspects in their life. When folks get this concept right and they get it dialed in, they experience really, really big moments at their races and events and the moments that really matter. But more importantly, They enjoy the journey and they experience sustained, improved performance across all arenas in life. But we like to measure these improvements. And to help with that, we adopt Inside Tracker. By assessing your biometrics and looking at your health parameters, some stress hormones, macro and micronutrients that can impact your cognitive function and energy, We can then tailor a strategic plan to improve each personal profile, all based on the expert recommendations from the Inside Tracker team. This process drives ultimately to simplicity, to actionable focus. And guess what? We can then measure it and see results. And we can course correct if things are not going the way that we improve. And it's a big amplifier of your performance journey. Well, you don't need to be a purple patch athlete to get involved. You can adopt it into your own program as well. All you need to do is head to insidetracker.com slash purple patch. That's insidetracker.com slash purple patch and include the code purple patch pro 20. That's purple patch pro two zero. You get 20% of everything at the store. All right, that's enough for that. Let's get on. It's a good one today. We've got a great case study, a discussion with purple patch Triscorp member, Chris Hughes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And folks, today we kick on case studies is the theme of August. And that is good. And today we are joined by Chris Hughes. You know what? Chris is a story of athlete evolution. In fact, in 2019, Chris almost quit the sport after a decade of frustrations. But today we investigate the key that was the absolute focal point of unlocking his performance potential. As we speak, Chris is on a roll with massively impressive streak of individual results across local races and broader, bigger Ironman events. And as I mentioned in 2019, he was on his way out. 
He was frustrated year after year, season after season, of frustration, injury, and setbacks. Absolutely no performance progression, and certainly an approach to sport that didn't integrate into aspects of her life. He wasn't fit and fresh. He was fatigued, underperforming, injured. And there are so many athletes that are walking around in this fog of frustration. But around that point, he adopted a brand new mindset and an approach that leaned into a radically evolved approach for him. He broadened his perspective, adopting the pillars of performance, endurance, strength, nutrition, and recovery. He stopped just chasing the total accumulation of hours and instead started chasing feel-good sessions and prioritizing the key workouts. He leaned heavily into education and the coaching moments that the program provided opportunities for. And despite training almost exclusively alone, he immersed himself on the inline community and the support and accountability that comes along with that. He's not coached individually at Purple Patch, is simply a member of the Purple Patch Tri-Squad. And this is a story and a lesson in effectiveness, bravery, and great personal performance progression. He's also got some wonderful insights into a really positive perspective on the role of sport and what success truly looks like. So who is Chris? Well, he's a husband, a father of two, and very, very busy. He's the epitome of time starved. He's a data analyst and consultant for the fire and EMS services. And interestingly, he had almost no history in sports whatsoever. No team sports, no individual sports. And he happened to stumble across triathlon. And it's been about a decade in the making. But the first eight or nine years, as I mentioned, were full of frustration. And it is now that we find him on the podium at Oregon 70.3, winning the local race that he couldn't even dare to dream to do so. Now, I think when you listen to his stories today, you're going to draw a lot out of the performance lessons. You're going to be able to apply some of the insights that Chris provides into your own performance journey, whether or not you're a Purple Patch athlete. So I'm looking forward to it. But first, we're going to do a little bit of business. Barry, it's time for Matt's Newsings. Yes, folks, Matt's Newsings. And once again, it is the final call. I need your help. You need to get involved. We have a brand new survey, and it's a survey of you, the audience. Now, what we're hoping for is some insights from you and some feedback so that we can really understand what you're looking for. What are you looking for for education? What are you looking for for programming? How can we actually build up the services and the programming as well as the education on the show for you to ensure that it's truly effective, whether or not you become a Purple Patch athlete? And we try and keep this show as limited as we can on the promotions. We try to not bundle it with a whole bunch of advertising. And instead, we try and deliver free insightful, invaluable education to help you on your performance journey. And so this is me just asking for one little thing back. The link is purplepatchfitness.com slash survey. We'll add it into the show notes. purplepatchfitness.com, so our regular URL, slash survey. Very, very simple. It will take you under five minutes, 
but it's your opportunity to tell us what you need and want and some of your perspectives. And that is gonna be really, really helpful for us. And we will take action. One of our main sayings at Purple Patch, evolve or die. We're always seeking to grow, we're always seeking to improve. But by asking you, we're actually gonna hear it from the proverbial horse's mouth. I didn't just call you a horse. It's really, really thankful, or I would be really thankful if you can just take a couple of moments. I really appreciate it. And Barry will be good to go. And finally, just before we get going, as I mentioned last week, we have a huge Q4 ahead of us. We are gonna completely reimagine our programming for that last part of the year. It's gonna be steeped heavily in technique and education. We are going to upskill you and our primary focus is not gonna be about training really hard and dumping sport onto life. Instead, it's gonna be about developing the athlete. We are going to have bike school, swim school, run school, a focus on strength, but more importantly, we're gonna magnify and amplify our community and the opportunity for you to interact directly with myself and the rest of the Purple Patch team. It's gonna be a lot of fun. As you're gonna to hear today, as Chris mentions, his experience as being a member of Tri-Squad has been better and more impactful than any of his one-to-one -one coaching relationships. And so if you are interested in squad or a one-to-one -one coaching relationship with us, which we take very, very seriously, feel free to reach out for a complimentary call. Info at purplepatchfitness.com. We'll have a good conversation and see whether we ever fit. All right, with that, feel free to reach out, but let's get on with the show. It is Barry, time for Chris Hughes. It's a great one, ladies and gentlemen. I present to you the meat and potatoes. All right, guys, it is the meat and potatoes, and we have one of the long fellas with us. Yes, uh, very recently at the Napa camp, we had three guys that were there, three athletes, all six foot seven. And so we're very lucky to have one of the Chris's that are up there, Purple Patch Pro Squad member, Chris. Hughes, join us, joining us. Thanks so much. Welcome, Chris. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor. Thank you. Good stuff. Well, um, we're going to talk about your journey. You're, you've had a, a cracking season so far, but um, we're doing this as a series on our August month of case studies, as we're calling it. Some insights and lessons that the listeners, the viewers can, uh, can hopefully draw and apply to some of their journey. Uh, and so I always find that it's helpful with a little bit of grounding first. And I, I really like to understand how people got to the sport and their background. So why don't you just give us a couple of minutes of you growing up, where you're based now, family, what you do in life. Give us a little bit of grounding on that side of stuff. Uh, well, I'm a, an analyst for the fire and EMS industry, which is a, a kind of a nebulous field. Basically, I, I do data and deployment for fire and EMS industries to kind of help them figure out what to do better. So uh, it's pretty nerdy stuff. It's uh, not too exciting, though, All the with all the current buzzwords around machine learning and AI, uh, I can make myself sound much more exciting than it probably really is. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I live in Bellingham, Washington with uh, my wife and two kids. Um, I've lived here since I moved up here to go to college and get my degree in computer science in 1999. Um, but going way back, I was born in Oregon. Um, my parents separated when I was a baby and I spent most of my life on the Kitsap Peninsula. 
um, with my mom and my sister. And uh, I spent the summers with my dad in Bend, uh, kind of hiking around as he worked on his geology degree. So that was sort of my first taste in endurance. <laughs> he would uh, he would drag his 10-year-old son to uh, all the crazy hikes, and I, I hated it. I hated every minute of it. Um, he, uh, he unfortunately passed away when I was 19, but uh, it's um, I, I went back since then and did some of the rides up the Cascades and ran the trail that I have a distinct memory of just not thinking, getting to the end of this 10-mile trail and thinking, well, there has to be a helicopter out of here. There's, there's no way he's making us turn around and hike out. Um, but yeah, so that's, it was kind of, it was kind of a, kind of a trip. So, so you weren't much of a sportsman growing up as you were, what did you, did you play other sports? Did you play any ball sports or anything like that? I, I bet everyone asks you if you played basketball, but did you play any other sports growing up? No, none. Absolutely none. Uh, to, uh, my, my father's despair, who was quite athletic himself. Uh, I remember him swimming and, and running and biking, but uh, I played none. I would have just rather had been inside tinkering on a computer. Um, he it drove him absolutely nuts because he would like he would coach a t-ball team one time, and I, I just had zero interest. I don't think I ever played any ball sports or I was ever on any teams. So wow. yeah, it was. That's I just had zero interest. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's absolutely fascinating. So, so how did you how did you first find triathlon when was that um it would have been uh so i sort of the long story of this is in 2008 uh i decided i wanted to do something so i decided to learn to snowboard and about five or six sessions in in the most boring crash ever i tore my acl uh, and anyone who's had their acl torn and the repair is about nine months wait and you can't really do anything but that was okay because i didn't care anyway i didn't do anything um, but after about a year, I went back to the doctor and he looked at me. He's like, you've put on a lot of weight and you should probably uh, do something to rehab your knee. Uh, and he was adamant that running was bad. So he told me to go to the pool. Uh, so at 29, I uh, went to the pool and taught myself how to swim, showed up in board shorts, uh, no goggles, no swim cap, and just started flopping around. Uh, and then that was going pretty well. So I got a mountain bike and started biking to the pool. And, uh, one day someone made a joke that, Hey, you're, you know, you're going to become a triathlete. And I, I had no idea what a triathlon even was. Uh, and so with some Googling, I found that there was a, a local race in three months. And of course I stumbled across all the Ironman videos with the dramatic music and, you know, Craig Alexander and Chris McCormick and those guys running around. And I, I was just obsessed. And so I did my first race and, uh, yeah, I was I was hooked after that. I just started registering for every Olympic I could find. No no concept of training or what anything was. I just I was hooked. And in that I lost a bunch of weight. I was I lost about fifty pounds and Wow. Um and uh yeah, so then it wasn't long before I started plotting my path to seventy point three and hundred and forty point six and off you go. What what well this is uh you know, the under the banner of case studies we sort of go through a profile fascinating story by the way on your on how you got into sport it's uh not not the normal route so that that's uh tremendously interesting but then we like to go through the sort of challenge as it were like the the area and i think that it's safe to say that your challenge was life prior to purple patch you're left to your own devices in many ways what why don't you just give us a little synopsis of your your racing, your approach, maybe some of the challenges that occurred before um, 
before Purple Patch, before we sort of went went into a, a little bit of an evolved approach? Well, you know, when I first started doing that triathlon, it was the, I'm going to mention a couple of times, the Padden Triathlon, because it's literally right outside my window. Um, my plan was I just did the race every day. It was like, that's what I did. I just got off of work. I didn't have kids. There was no time constraints. I just went and swam the lake and rode the route and did the run. Um, but after a while, like I started uh, having this approach that I called the perpetual motion machine where more beget more. And if some training was good, then more training was better and enough was never enough. Um, and e even when I had coaches, there just, there wasn't really a balance. It was just sort of more and more, or and you would call them pillars, but there just wasn't the, the individual pieces kind of holding things together. And I just did more and more and more. And, you know, I was by no means a slow athlete. Um, you know, there are certainly people faster, certainly people slower, but I wasn't getting a good return on investment. I was just coming off some injury or, or whatever it might be as, especially as I started to try doing longer races. And I was perpetually stuck in this pattern where, you know, in the fall, I would decide I'm going to get super fit. Right. And, and here's how it's going to go. I'm going to, this is my chance and I'm going to work really hard. And almost every year by March, I was injured. Right. Cause I had just overtrained and then I would kind of limp through the beginning, maybe make it to a race. Maybe I'd be hurt all year. Uh, and then I'd be disappointed with the season and guess what? I'd go right back to step one. Okay. Now is this my year? I'm going to train so hard and, uh, um, then I'm going to be great. And, uh, and then, Basically, in the summer of 2019, the pattern had started all over, and I, I was about ready to just quit the sport. Like, I could see the pattern, but I, I really didn't know how to break it, and the juice just wasn't worth the squeeze. And and, and those years, because it was, yeah, I mean, I mean, painful emotionally, because you, you clearly sort of ultimately at baseline loved the sport, committed to it, did it every day, and, and just every year was just frustration, challenge, pain with uh, injuries and stuff under uh, driving your own journey and, and some coaching relationships in there as well. Yeah. Just, just to clarify. Yeah. I did some self coaching. I did some coaching with other people and, and well, part of it is I was sort of an immature athlete, but part of it was a lack of guidance and pillars that, that if I was going to fault coaches for anything and that like, if you did, if it was a two hour bike ride schedule and you did five, then it was kudos. Good job. Not like, well, Hey, that wasn't really what we talked about or not really concerned about recovery or, or weights or, you know, how well you're sleeping or anything like that. It was just sort of, here's, here's the plan. Go do it. Quite, quite a narrow perspective on here are the sessions. They're going to create the magic and, Good luck. As long as you check the box, you should be good to go, as it were, almost. Yeah, in my, I remember texting a coach saying, "Hey, my knee hurts," and he said, "Okay," and he deleted the hour and a half run that was scheduled the next day and moved it to the fall the day after that. And I was like, "Well, oh, is that all I need?" Like, so of course I went and did it, and you know, I've had every injury imaginable, but I ended up with like bad IT band syndrome, and <laughs> there, there, there we are. So. So, so, so I want to do it because the, um, the, the a, a lot of the catalyst of why I, I wanted to come into the show is because I think you're a, you're a great example of you, you talked about being an immature immature athletically earlier, the evolution of mindset and approach for you, and and I want to break apart in the pursuit of educating our listeners a little bit. What have been most important for you? in this season where you've just had a fantastic year and uh, not limping through race to race, but you know, it, 
pretty much getting better race to race and just having great consistency across racing. And I want to ground our listeners here. I don't coach you individually. Uh, you're a part of Purple Patch. Uh, we know each other very well because uh, we've been you've been to camps with us. But you're a a member of the Purple Patch Tri Squad, so you don't actually have an individual one to one coach. So we're going to talk about it in terms of you as an athlete. You're guiding it. You're leveraging the Purple Patch programming via the Tri Squad program, and so, uh, so so I think that's important for us all to keep in mind. And as we go through this, I guess the first journey of this, you you talked about, let's come back to 2019. You said highly frustrated. You could see the pattern. You didn't know how to get out of it. You decided to join Purple Patch. What was the catalyst there? What were you, what were you hoping to achieve? What, what was it, the last desperate throw of the dice almost? Well, yeah. I mean, in some ways I had done a race in July of 2019. And, you know, I was basically two minutes slower than I had been before. It was that the local race I keep bringing up and it, it's not an Ironman brand. Nobody cares about it except for the people around here, but it was sort of my bellwether of performance. And here I was, you know, I was kind of injured and I made it to it and it was two minutes later or two, yeah, two minutes slower. Um, you know, and despite being on the verge of quitting, I just couldn't shake this feeling that I had room within my my talent sphere to be a better athlete. You know, everyone has some kind of talent limitation. Doesn't matter what I do, I'm never going to be Kristen Blue. Um, but even if I did exactly what he did, but I, I just felt like I had more in my sphere. And I had been in the sport long enough to know that there was some balance of weights and recovery and nutrition, but I just couldn't seem to figure out how to balance these in a way that made any sense at all. Or I would just go completely over the top. Like if I read some article that endurance athletes benefit from weights, the first thing, I, and I actually did this, I went and enjoyed a CrossFit box, right? And you imagine where that went, because then all of a sudden I'm doing three times a week of CrossFit and trying to get better at hauling around heavy things. And, you know, that doesn't, isn't great. Um, but I, the big catalyst for me was I was driving up to Canada and you did a podcast and I tried to find which one it was. And you were starting with a pro triathlete and you, you talked with them that you started with a multi-year arc, right? And this really struck me that, that a pro athlete would need this multi-season arc to reach their potential. And it seems like absolute common sense now, but in my mind, a pro athlete was someone who just showed up and was magically talented, or they just had some secret that they kept to themselves. And, you know, you were going to lay out a plan and then they were going to win the world championships. And for me, that really changed my perspective and how I define success in the sport. And that I needed to have the same approach, a multi-season approach that required patience and set a goal of not winning anything or doing the longest race or beating anyone, but just my goal was to become a better athlete and continue to progress in the sport. Um, and fortunately you were launching squad that month. Uh, and I think I was one of the first, uh, non beta people that you, that you had on. Um, I know you ran a beta right before that. And, uh, so I signed up and for me, it was a no brainer. Uh, you know, I was never going to be able to afford to, hire a strength coach, an endurance coach, a swim coach, a nutrition coach. And here was this, honestly, a pretty budget-friendly platform that was more than what I was able to do. And when you, uh, I mean, you came in, it, it just sounds like you were ready. You know, you're emotionally, practically frustrated, eyes wide open, and, you, and that shift of approach. When you, when you first came in, you're adopting, there's still change there. You're adopting a new methodology. 
we're asking you to think differently. It sounded like you were ready for for it, but um, what when you if you can go back, you might not even be able to sort of remember the early months. But um, but can you highlight some of the biggest differences that you experienced from pre to post? What was so different to your prior approach? I think just having the the and I'm going to start calling them pillars because that's what I learned to call them. But having those things work in unison. Um, you know, when that was always a struggle for me where, you know, you'd read up a, a, a triathlete magazine article, well, here's the four key weight sets you need to do for your, the best race season. But like, when do I do that next week? Do I do it right now? Do I do it when, uh, you know, as part of my race build or whatever it might be. And so I, I found that to be much different than any approach I'd ever had. And, and in all fairness, I had read your books prior and listened to your podcasts and, and, uh, um, so I was sort of on board what, with your program. And, and I think I even jokingly told you back when you did that, the meetings with Matt that I had snuck into your video before you even launched squad. Um, I, I think you'd accidentally post them publicly a couple of times on when Google plus was a thing. And I was like, Oh, I can just click on this and listen to this like master coach talk to all these athletes. I even <laughs> asked you a question one time. And I remember you looking at something going, is this even a roster? I don't know who this is. Um, that's fantastic. So, so there was already this inherent press in the Purple Path methodology, which is a uh, you know a important part of the relationship. Um, and I, I would and feel free to stop me if I'm rambling, but I feel like uh, the, there was also the big change was a sense of focus. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot of noise in the world of endurance. There's always some new trend right now. It's ketones or low carb, high fat diet or Ironman in 10 weeks of training or lactate testing or some new strength workout or whatever. So the first thing that I, I got out of Purple Patch was that I could just tune out a lot of that noise, right? I didn't care what the new work at weight workout was because I had that. I don't care about the nutrition strategy that someone's posting on social media because I had that all there. And it just really helped me focus on what I was trying to do and quiet the cacophony of stuff that you're trying to constantly be sold and um, you know, that helped yeah. a lot. Um, well, I, I, I'm so glad you said that because one of the things, um, I just want to pause there a little bit because I'll sort of bounce that back to you a bit from the from the coaching team's perspective. So is it, there's obviously Purple Patch is not just Matt Dixon speaking in the third person, that there's a coach of uh, a team of coaches. And one of the things that we see as our role is to, we always talk about the filter. So there is a whole bunch of stuff out there and we need to have eyes wide open, but ultimately we hope to act as a little bit of a filter to say, this is good, this is interesting, this is applicable for you, but not you, et cetera. So the fact that you highlight on that, thank you very much, because that's that's something that we really try and and take on is to try and boil things down to simple and actionable and, and focus on the right thing. So that, that's so refreshing. To, to hear that maybe we're getting that part right a little bit. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think from a time start perspective, the amount of time that I'm not spending trying to figure out, is this ketones thing worth it? Do I need to read a, a meta study? And like, I mean, sure, I'm not saying that it's not, I'm not saying that they're not good, but I think you've talked about getting the first 95% of things right. Um, yeah, from the then, bite. Uh, yeah, I mean, nail the basics. Um, and I guess I think the other thing, and I was telling Mike this at camp, that the structure of squad 
for me is ideal because uh, I don't know how many times in, I would, even when I was coached before where there'd be a 30 minute run scheduled and how important is this? What if I can only do 15 minutes? What do you want me to do? How do I change? The program is flexible enough that I can look at my week and see what's key, what's not. And even within the workout, I, I only have an hour. I don't have an hour and 20 minutes, so I can shorten that up. And I never have this sense of anxiety that, cause I'm type A, right? that I'm not checking a box, that I've missed some spot. I'm, I'm still on the program, even if I did the, the, the abbreviated version of it and I'm with the program. I've read the book, even if it's the cliff note to keep up. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's fast forward to, to the now. You, you've had a terrific season. You recently second place at the Oregon 70.3, a great race. You had a, a, a ton of good uh, wins and podiums over the first half of the season. So how do we find Chris Hughes right now? Yeah, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this question and I, the first thing that popped in my head is after I did Oregon, I felt uh, fit and fresh. I, I know that not to uh, not to be a, a commercial, but I, other than being a little stiff that day, I felt great the next day. And fortunately, uh, the squad has a uh, recovery week on there to stop me from doing something dumb like going out and hurting myself. But um, yeah, I, I feel great. I'm honestly, I'm in the middle of a season where I'm able to race as much as I want. Uh, and the patience is paying off. I'm having a blast. And while, you know, getting on the podium is great. Uh, what makes the most me the most excited is that I feel like I'm improving and I have room to grow. Um, it sounds, again, not to sound like commercial, it sounds trite, but I think focusing on process rather than outcome makes racing and training a lot more fun. And I, that has been a huge lesson to me that once you let that go, other things just sort of start to come. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, being on the podium is great. I had a couple, an overall win this year. I've been on the podium in every race I've done. But the fact that I was faster than I was the previous year, you know, I can't control who shows up to a race. I could have maybe won my age group, but someone was faster was there. But uh, had I won it and I was slower than last year, I, I probably would have not been as thrilled with the race. Um, and the same thing is with uh, the local race that I did here. I can't control who shows up, but I was four minutes faster than I'd ever been. I PR'd in every segment. Um, and that to me gave me a lot more, you know, joy and satisfaction than winning the race. You know, podiums are fun, but progress is better. I mean, there it is. That's a great, and that, that's a, that's a really healthy relationship with the sports. It's everything you can control. And it's, um, and, but I, I will note there's no better PR overall because we all love PRs, but there's no better PR when you PR everything. And of course, by definition, unless your transitions are incredibly slow, you're going to PR overall with that. Um, I, 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 I want to go to uh, an element that is, um, uh, I think, important for your story. And I, I want to talk about the Tri Squad and your engagement of it. You're really engaged. You're active in the athletic community uh, that we have, the internal athlete community. You joined us at a training camp in Napa. You're often in the live webinars, even when you weren't a member, I've just learned, and that's terrific. <laughs> and, uh, and you're doing the office hours with myself and the other coaches. So I I'm just interested in unpacking beyond the training and the four pillars that you talked about. What what's the role of the community side of Tri Squad been for you? Has that, has that played sort of a role in you enjoying the journey, being more successful? What are the key points? Yeah, uh, you know, my friends jokingly call me the lone wolf um, because I, I, while I have an amazing community of friends and athletes around me, I, because of my schedule, I train almost exclusively alone. Uh, I don't 
I don't have the time to like meet anyone or drive somewhere. I'm pretty boring in that way. Um, but with the squad community on Facebook, I feel like there's this shared value and purpose and we can all share stories of races and our successes and failures and help lift each other up. Uh, I generally find social media to be a fairly negative place. Um, yeah. but that's not the case there. In fact, it's the only reason I still have a Facebook account. Um, because I, I get a lot of joy of sharing my journey and seeing everyone else's definition of success and how, that, how proud they are of their race. Um, and to me, I could just log on and I know I can get a smile out of it and I know I can help encourage other people. Um, so it feels like there's a, a little more of a community there. Um, and the other thing I, I like about it is if one person is having a problem, we're all on the same page. We're all, you know, someone, it's not like a forum somewhere where someone is off doing something dumb and they've hurt themselves. Like we're all following the same pattern so we can all kind of uh, work around that. And, and additionally, you, you and the coaches are on there too. So if someone posts that, hey, I was just crushed by this workout and, and 10 of the people chime in, that's feedback for you. And the program evolves. I think you just did that recently where I can't remember which one it was because I was recovering from a race, but there was some and you just, you said, okay, you're right. This is, this was, we did, we rolled this out wrong and we're going to change this. And, and it really felt like a two way street rather than just sort of a sea of negativity that social media usually is. Yeah. That, um, that, was, that was actually a, that was actually a workout that was, I, I wrote that that was solely on my shoulders and, um, and uh, it, I mean, you're right. As you've been on squad long enough to know that the program's always evolving. It's always growing. Every year we do a refresh. But also sometimes as a coach, it's it's normal. Y your ambition outstrips sort of uh, a sense sometimes. You're like, I think this is a, a great dose of work. And it blew everyone to pieces. Well, you, you, hear the, you hear the noise and the feedback and there's a pattern there. People are not lazy, and uh, and that was great. So it's like, hey, we're going to go and repeat this workout in three weeks. We're going to tinker with it, evolve, and then everyone, you know, had a, a much more valuable experience as well as a more pleasurable one, which is is good. Um, I, I want to ask directly uh, because I know that you're really committed to these, and uh, and and I always I, I should just say I, I love some of your commentary after you've completed these. But our video based coaching, the bike workouts. Your schedule doesn't allow you to come live, so that means I don't get to bully you uh, live on the two-way yeah, video. Yeah, that's the story. I, I can't get there because of my work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, there's no hiding when you're when you're live uh, on two-way video of me. But you do the on-demand, so you do the sort of video coaching on demand, and and I always see you posting about them afterwards, along with the other folks, the sort of water cooler, as I call it. But those have been effective for you as a bike rider, yeah? Why don't you give the context of those? Because I think that's interesting. Um, so for me, uh, you know, it's funny, the the VOD program, uh, I'll be the first to say that I was reluctant at first because I was a Zwift guy, right? Like, oh, Zwift, this is, this is the virtual world. This is as close as you're going to get. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go with the flow guy. So I did the program. And to me, uh, it... it it's allowed us much more linear progression um, of my, I'm sorry, of my, my cycling as I've worked through. Uh, I shouldn't really be surprised that being coached one-on-one -on -one, um, was more productive than mindlessly staring at like Erg or uh, watching a cartoon avatar on Zwift. Um, but for me, what I found was that, the truth be told, my wattage numbers are not any different than they were over the last five years. I mean, my FTP is roughly the same. 
the difference is with the VOD, uh, sorry, VOD is the right, not the right term. Let me know. Um, that's okay. But, uh, Video on demand, on demand, VOD, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Uh, I found that like my ability to manage terrain, uh, to ride over hills, to ride through hills, uh, has, in, that's been my improvement in cycling. There's no additional power here. It's not like I'm suddenly super strong. Um, and it, Maybe it's just me. My secondary effect of this is that watching everyone else go through the same pain is uh, is cathartic. But also when I'm out racing and training, instead of trying to take this magical fitness that I've pulled off of Zwift or whatever mindless erg I was doing, I can hear you and Mike and Brad when I come over a hill through the line, pedal, keep going, do not stop pedaling, fast cadence down the hill, get back an arrow and those mental cues for me, maybe that's just me, but I mean, my entire race is 70.3 Oregon, Victoria, especially Victoria with the hills, like pedal over the hill, get down, fast cadence, keep going, constant tension on the chain. It's sort of like having it like a, a Tour de France rider with a radio in my ear. There it is. Well, that, that's, it, it's interesting you talk about that because I, I mean, I've talked on the show a lot about the obsession of horsepower, stronger, fitter, faster. I mean, you spent years, a decade, and you're a big guy with a big engine that has developed that engine. And that what once any athlete gets up to a certain level, if you, you pick a pick any professional athlete, ultimately it's very, very difficult to get incremental fitness gains and boosting FTP at the top end after a decade of work. That's not that plastic anymore. Very different than the early years where you're just going up this sort of early curve. So now it becomes a game of how do you get more out of that? And the only way you can get more of that is take that fitness, resilience, and and have a smarter application across the terrain. So now it's about gaining speed. And and, and honestly, now I'm, I'm going to be a sort of advertorial for my own coaching here, which which I know is not the purpose of our discussion, but it's amazing to me that when we when we manage to get someone to buy into that and say let's not chase fitness let's chase speed how cathartic to use your word that can be of like hang on that's a game changer because sometimes actually your power distribution can mean that your average power might even be lower but you're going faster and i think that's ultimately the thing that counts which is uh, so key you know at camp i think you actually said at the start like we're going to go faster now, not have more power. Like that's the point. And, uh, you know, to go back to the, the tri, um, squad community on there, it was, I, I posted one time, it was last year, just like, how can I have this much power? I must need more, some new arrow device. And it was Mike that chimed in and said, arrow is measured in like, like milliseconds, but train management and tension and cornering is measured in minutes. And again, sort of this like, well, duh moment where like, okay, I'm, it's not some new helmet. It's not some new fairing I need to buy. It's, I need to keep pedaling. And it's not about how much power I can smash up this hill. It's how much power I can push completely over the hill and to the other side and keep going. Cause I, I was the, the, the stereotypical case that you often talk about where I would get to the hill and right before the crest, I just got, oh, I did it, you know, and then I'd gear down and kind of slow way down and. I mean, it was probably, I don't, at the time I thought I was smashing it, but I was, it was costing me, I don't know, minutes. Minutes. Yeah. Ultimately minutes. So, so let's, let's wrap it up. I want to ask a couple more questions here. And, uh, 
you're you're a man that's evolved. You've been tremendous success. A, a great, I would say, ambassador for Purple Patch. So really deeply appreciate that. But if you can now have a couple of minutes, I give you the stage. What are the biggest two or three lessons that maybe you've gained on your own journey over the last season or seasons of progression for you? If you had to distill it down and say, these are the lessons, this is what I want to impart if I can get across, what would those be? Uh, I've already talked about the hill. You know, if you're not, if you're not a squatty, you're not doing the coach, learn how to ride hills and learn how, it's not about smashing them, it's about riding the entire hill, crest and down. Um, the next one is easy is easier than you think. And this is one that really hit me in the last probably 18 months. I used to think easy was if you told me to do an easy three hour ride, it was as fast as I could ride for three hours and, uh, or whatever the time frame was. And I, I had to slow way, way down like running. And I learned that at camp too, running and biking, both of them. It's just, you know, you can't, your easy pace cannot be 10 seconds slower than your race pace. Um, and then a huge one for me is eating, uh, fueling on the bike and the run. I was under eating by half. I, I just wasn't eating enough. And again, I picked this up at camp because of the readiness available of food. There was just constantly food there. And I went from, you know, just for the bike example, taking 70 grams of carbs an hour to uh, when I did Oregon, I was 140 and still taking in gels. And I realized that I, oftentimes in the middle of the bike of a race, I would be hungry. Like I would legitimately be hungry. And uh, I just had to train my gut to eat more. And that I, I'm just not tired. I, I'm not, I realized many times I was probably just bonking before I even got off the bike. And so I think those three things, like if I had to pick three things that I would keep and, and, and kind of push everything outside were, were the big ones for me, at least in the last season. How about broader perspective? You you take on this journey. You're busy. You got two kids. You're obviously really engaged as uh, as a husband and father, and um, and you got a very busy life as well. So, any aspects of taking on the journey of sport that have translated or helped in other arenas of work or life? Well. Uh... I'm glad no one I work with is a triathlete because they would think uh, nail the basics and control the controllables is my phrase. Um, <laughs> but I use it all the time at work. I use it with project management. I use it with people above me in the food chain and below me. Like, I think that is, a, that is something that I tell my kids, um, you know, when they get a flat tire when they're out biking, these are the things we deal with. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think I'd also say, Again, you did a case study one time about budgeting your time for how much realistic time you have to work on something and come up with your 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 economy of hours. Uh, I use that when dealing with customers all the time when I'm kind of calling them out on their schedules. Like, tell me about your budget of hours. How much time do you actually have to accomplish this? And then let's come up with a realistic schedule to set you up for success. And, and not only does that help my projects be more successful, customers that are dealing with me are like, wow, this, this guy really knows what he's doing. But Fortunately, none of them so far have been triathletes. They don't know that I've just stole it from Matt Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, and um, last question for you, Chris. You got any advice for um, listeners? You got any last sort of parting advice that you might give as they're going on their journey, whether it's in triathlon or not? Uh, you know, for athletes lots of athletes are just looking for the magic secret sauce some new aero device some workout some supplement and i, I think the secret sauce is consistency and you're going to get that by not to sound like an advert like you said but uh 
going easy, feeling, recovery, strength, all those things are going to get you much further than doing some monster workout or some new aero device or taking ketones or whatever it might be, the new buzzword. Um, and the only thing I would say is like, one good thing for me is I cleaned up my sleep. Um, you know, when we were at uh, camp, you talked about the only legal doping, I think, is, is sleep. And uh, I, someone gifted me an old aura ring that I never would have bought. And uh, just like, I couldn't believe how dirty my sleep was. Like my dog waking me up, you know, my wife stealing covers or whatever. And just like looking at that, I was able to add like an extra like hour of quality sleep without any additional investment. And that has made like that extra hour of sleep. If you had told me I'd get an extra hour every day. Um, so yes, please clean up your sleep, do whatever you have to do. Even if you have to get your own set of covers and take the bell off your dog and you'd be surprised how, how, how much better you're gonna feel the next day. I love the uh, the practical advice, but uh, Chris, a great story, and uh, your journey is not done. You know that. Um, I want to thank you for coming on the show, but I also want you to thank you for for being a great part of Purple Patch, and I know the community looks up to you and also um, uh, gets a lot of insight from your own stories. So, so thanks for being such a, a great part of it. It's uh, it's really athletes like you that that help make Purple Patch what it is. So really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Keep. Uh... Keep everything in place and I'll keep uh, following the program. <laughs> we'll be going. All right. Well, uh, folks listening, thank you so much. I hope you learned something and that was a cracker. Thanks for joining us, Chris. You're welcome. Well, guys, that was thoroughly enjoyable. I have to say I love chatting to Chris. He's very deliberate. He's very thoughtful. He never wants to miss a point. But what emerged out of that conversation, I think, is some really interesting insights around the performance journey and what it means to be successful. It's not just in outcomes, it's all about the journey. And one of the things I love is that Chris and himself really magnified the power of a program that I'm really, really proud of, and all of us are proud at Purple Patch, because we set out a few years ago to design a program that was specifically designed for the demands and needs for a time-starved athlete. And we wanted a dynamic training program that was highly flexible, it was one that could empower athletes and make them smarter on their performance journey, but also integrated access to the coaches at Purple Patch, including myself and the experts that we have great relationships with. And finally, to really, really galvanize a community of like-minded athletes. And one of the things that Chris just talked about is I do almost all my training alone, but what really emerged is I feel a part of something. I actually mentor other athletes. I get support and accountability. I can't wait to share my stories about my struggles, my successes. And it's a great to be a part of that. It's invaluable. And that is true because in the most individuals of sports, if you integrate a team approach, it not only drives individual performance and so individuals do better, but these individuals contribute to a performance culture. And that's a big secret. And that is a central heartbeat of the Tri-Squad program. So if you're intrigued, if you're interested, if you want to learn more, you can go and read about it at the website, purplepatchfitness.com, or just reach out to us and have a complimentary call. We'll talk about it. We'll see whether it's a fit. It may or may not be, but we'd like to have a conversation and understand your journey. Info at purplepatchfitness.com. Reach out or have a chat. All right, guys, next week. <gasps> cautionary tales it's going to be a good one we'll speak to you then take care 
Guys, thanks so much for joining and thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the new format. You can never miss an episode by simply subscribing. Head to the Purple Patch channel of YouTube and you will find it there and you could subscribe. Of course, I'd like to ask you if you will subscribe, also share it with your friends. And it's really helpful if you leave a nice positive review in the comments. Now, any questions that you have, let me know. Feel free to add a comment and I will try my best to respond and support you on your performance journey. And in fact, as we commence this video podcast experience, if you have any feedback at all, as mentioned earlier in the show, we would love your help in helping us to improve. Simply email us at info at purplepatchfitness.com or leave it in the comments of the show at the Purple Patch page and we will get you dialed in. We'd love constructive feedback. We are in a growth mindset as we like to call it. And so feel free to share with your friends. But as I said, let's build this together. Let's make it something special. It's really fun. We're really trying hard to make it a special experience and we wanna welcome you into the Purple Patch community. With that, I hope you have a great week. Stay healthy, have fun, keep smiling, doing whatever you do. Take care.